Sim Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Foray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. going on don what's going on mr nhra west coast top fuel cam how you doing today not too bad just uh sitting in the cloudy rain getting ready to go to phoenix and go sit in the rain some more in a different state well i think we're gonna have to do something because the last you know last week we did the whole uh or sorry two weeks ago we did the whole first day of school thing you were getting ready to go to pomona you were doing exactly what you're doing today, sitting in the rain while we're recording a podcast before you got ready to go. And fast forward 14 days, and we're doing it again. So it's Groundhog um, Day today. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to do something. This is just not working for me. And I think I was sitting in the rain the last time I talked to you. So here I am repeating that again. So um, yeah, but a lot of stuff has gone on in the, in the last 14 days in the motorsports world, and... We need to talk about some of it. I, I am totally with you. I Every time something happens, I just want to grab my phone and vlog. You know, there's one of those teenage words. Just throw up 10 or 15 seconds. But then I realized, well, I haven't showered. I haven't shaved. Yeah, I don't really want anybody to see me looking like this. So I write a note down, send you a text. I'm glad and, you at least put pants on for this. Well, you know, we're... we're it's debatable, you know, the whole thing with the wife. And well, I, I guess home. I can only see from your chest up, so I don't, I don't yeah. really want to see what's what what's underneath the underneath the table. So it, exactly. Well, as long as the house doesn't catch on fire, you won't see me run out of here. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, this week we're going to talk about how much is enough, and and so that phrase, like uh, enough, like enough nitro, or enough, like uh, enough. Crybabies, enough uh, wheel spin. What are we talking about? It's, what do you mean enough? I, I mean, enough track prep, um, enough smack talk. I, I mean, I don't, it just seems like it's going on and on. And, and you know, we started on a, a whole thing the last time we were talking about the rant getting going. I, you know, we were, we were talking about pro stock and, cost and elevation cost and nascar and their elevated costs everybody is trying to do something to bring the cost back in line so that you know we're marketers we're, we're out here racers we need sponsorships and, and every race organization professionally does and so how much is enough and i think every time we say that you can apply that to just about anything in motorsports that could also be good, but also at the same time be bad. So let's let's start with another racing organization other than drag racing since you and I are drag racers. So I don't know about you being a marketing guy. Last, last uh, Sunday, I sat on the couch and went back and forth between um, another racing event that we'll talk about later and the Daytona 500 and was looking at the companies that were involved there. And there was a comment during one of them about how many NASCAR races are enough. They're, they're struggling with fans and attendance. They're struggling for sponsors. 
racers are taking huge pay cuts so that they can just have a job driving a race car. So so let's talk about that, Cam. It How much like is enough? Sounds like they're drag racers now, right? So I mean, we're we're looking at thirty six weekends. Let's let's just start at the top with NASCAR, the 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 Monster Energy Series, who is a is a title sponsor for way less than any other title sponsor in the history of NASCAR. I mean, like we're missing some commas and some zeros for for what they spent. So agreed. So you sit there and you look at that. And you say, well, what are, eh, you're complaining, you know, you're, you're talking about, I heard the number thrown out that, a that a NASCAR team for Daytona, if you do the clash, the duels, everything that it's one tenth, one tenth of their marketing budget for the year, their operating budget is in the Daytona, the Daytona event, the first event of the year, one tenth is done. It's gone. And they're and, yeah. and they won't even make enough money to recoup it. Yeah, no. It, the, I mean, I guess this is could go a couple different ways. But how much is you say? How much is enough and enough? You know, you have thirty. What do you say? Thirty six NASCAR races. Thirty six weekends. Okay, thirty six weekends. But then you have how many races within those races? So you got my complaint with NASCAR is you have. The, what is it, the Bush or Nationwide? What do they call it now? Bush X- Nationwide. Xfinity Series. Excuse me, Xfinity. So you have the Xfinity Series, and the same damn drivers are driving those cars as it would be NASCAR drivers. So not only do I have to watch the same guys on Saturday, I can't. I watch the same guys on Sundays if I was to even watch a NASCAR race. Um, and the problem I see with that is being an up and coming driver on the drag racing side, and like those are supposed to be feeder series, right? Those are supposed to be where your new, fresh faces come into play. But when you have Kyle Busch driving every freaking car on the planet, I don't I don't really agree with that. And it makes it hard. So I think there should be a cap on some sort of, you know, how much stuff you can drive as a driver. I mean, I know they're all trying to make a living or whatever and, and do this, but how's the new generation going to ever get in there? It's the same thing like, like with, I mean, I know we'll talk about drag racing more, but like the alcohol guys, you know, alcohol classes are are kind of like the Xfinity series and uh you know what what do you do you know it, it's but I think there is too many races and I think uh the race weekends need to be shorter uh on a lot of aspects when it comes to to doing this stuff whether you're talking NASCAR sprint car whatever I mean I guess eh, I don't wouldn't say sprint car because a lot of those are Saturday night shows but a lot of this stuff is it just costs so much money regardless. I mean, I'm not going to get on a high horse about everything so expensive and maybe I should get out of racing. Um, but yeah, it's expensive. But when you have to start on, when you have to get there on Tuesday and you go till Sunday, like, but the race is on Sunday, like it, there's just so much involved when it comes to, to even doing any of this. And, you know, I think 36 or 24 races is a, is a bit much, you know, 16, 18 is kind of more what I feel is right because another problem i see with this is you have 36 weekend what is it 35 40 million dollars a year to sponsor an ascar something like that some of the operating budgets are are in that range if not higher yes. so you have that kind of cash like where's the return like for the okay say if the guy's a freaking you know i own home depot or whatever like are they getting you know hundreds of millions of dollars in marketing in return like it, it's just a hard sell anymore like with the modern day like with all the 
technology and instant gratification and all this stuff. Like it's it's hard it's hard to it's not like it used to be like, oh, well, I'm going to put Home Depot on the side of my NASCAR and drive around for five hours and you're going to see it every single lap. Like nobody really watches the whole race anymore. I mean, they even have stages of the race, right? The, or whatever. So like, mm, that's the hard part. Why I feel like enough is enough when it comes to the amount of races and we're going to start seeing less and less races because the cost outweighs the reward. Like you're, it's not, 50 50 anymore like you can't you can't race all these races for the budgets that were that modern day era is able to give i guess you'd say oh and i totally agree with that and you know and to to go back a little bit i think nascar agreed with your with your statement because they started this year limiting the number of xfinity races that monster energy drivers can come down and race they they've capped those limits that's awesome Uh, so you know with that being said they still they still have the same problem that we have in an economic imbalance you know the the teeter-totter is not staying level um it's just difficult those 36 weekends some of them are at multiple tracks um you know starting to sound like a valley girl with your I have a chemical imbalance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I might have an imbalance. I might need medication. This this career field that you and I have both seemed to have chosen to to live out our lives for ourselves and our family. This is uh, I totally could use some medication. Well, look, so you know, I so I go. We we talk about NASCAR, right? NASCAR is always like at the pinnacle. Anytime somebody talks about auto racing. For marketing and fan impact and so forth everybody looks at nascar that's where the commas and the zeros are and that's at 36 weekends now you and i just got done saying that we both agree that 36 weekends in nascar for today's business and motorsports is too many weekends so let's you know we've got we're one and one you and i are both agreeing here let's let's move on to nhra let's talk about drag racing 24 weeks, right? Nope. 23? Nope. 22? 16. Okay, 16. We want to go from where we're at, which is... 16 to 18, I'll say. Okay, well, so, all right, I'm with you. I I, I am with you. We're in the realm of that. I think that I'm going to caveat my statement of saying that the number of events in NHRA drag racing need to coincide with the markets that they are in. So if, you know, it used to be, let's really date ourselves here. Let's go back to when we had NHRA and IHRA days. The IHRA association atypically went to the B mid-major markets. That's where they went at. Their ticket prices were always less than NHRA's. They always seemed to have bigger crowds as far as racers, but they were in smaller, smaller areas. The market levels were not comparable, right? Because when you're paying for the whole seat and you only use the edge, you can put two people in the seat. That's it. I'm with you. I'm telling you, right? So NHRA was always, they build themselves as they were the major market drag racing association so but now we've gotten to the point where i think some of our markets between nascar drag racing 
have gotten a little saturated, oversaturated, if you will. And so when you go to a company and they're a huge regional company in the Midwest and you want to sell them Indy, Chicago, Topeka, where else, where else can we, I mean, I mean, those are your three big ones right there. Those are, those are your three big markets. And what do you have? You have two. Texas. You have, okay. We can sell Texas. Texas. How many, how many races do we have in Texas? NASCAR has two. NHRA in Houston. The NHRA's got two. So we're we're losing the we're we're oversaturating it and and it's not becoming an annual event. I yeah, think that's but do the, you need two Charlottes, two Vegases, two Pomonas? Only if you're S, only if you're SMI and NHRA and they need their bills paid. Well, there is that. Right? But yeah. Well uh, it's it's pretty bad when you when you go to one event and it's full and then you go to the next event six months later and there's nobody in the stands <laughs> right last year uh you know i'll you brought up charlotte so at z max last year i was there in the spring great turnout right it, there was a lot of people there good weather because well, the stands are painted red white and blue so it looks like they're full <laughs> <laughs> that is the most genius thing i've ever seen ever looks great on tv right yeah. so but when we went back there in the fall not so much mm-hmm. turnout's bad it's college football in the south. Well, yeah, yeah well, a- the one year I was there, they did they turned uh like the race day was the day of opening day for the football team, the for Carolina the Panthers. Panthers. Yeah, baby. Yeah, like, right. That probably wasn't a good idea. So, I, I just I feel like, you know, so I can be on both sides with you on this and we can look at it. I understand how the pro stock guys could could be ruffled a little bit on the fact that they probably had some of their sponsor money cut because of the impact and the number of events that they're going to, right? The ROI evaluation probably got way out of whack and we had to lose some percentage points. But also at the same time, I think that if there were less events for them to go to, it then in turns makes the economics for the companies that could be viable to get in the sport. I agree a hundred percent. That's the thing. I mean, Look at now, um, pro stock for the most part. I mean, it's just a bunch of bigger business owners or whatever. Like, there's, I mean, yeah, there's Summit, there's Jegs, but I mean, they're in our sport. There's really not too many like out of the box sponsorships. Alex Lawson does a good job with that, but uh, bringing in stuff. But um, for the most part, it's it's kind of like a boys' club, which is cool. Uh, so, I mean, the economic benefit of going to or, you know, dropping a few races. I don't necessarily know if it mattered, you know, to them. But, you know, on the on the big Top Fuel Funny Car side, I mean, yeah, they, they're saying it's, you know, $100,000 a race or whatever they want to say it is per event. Knock off five races, that's five hundred grand, Like, half a mil, baby. Yeah, that'll, that's going to help. That's going to help the, the smaller guys kind of get out there and, you know, run for a countdown or spot or whatever they want to call it. But, um, but what I see is funny. Like we talk about enough is enough. Like the sport, yes or no, is it growing or is it not? But there's so many different outlets. And I, I think we need to kind of sway and talk a little about this street outlaws, uh, radial versus the world is all the duck X promotion stuff. Like, you know, all, what do they call that? What's the Kai Kelly thing? Um, no prep kings. No prep kings. Um, you know, NMRA, like all this stuff. And 
um, I think I think before we uh, start talking about that side of it, let's give uh, let's give my buddy Roger Conley a call because uh, that guy he's pretty much uh, connected when it comes to any of this, and he actually just got a new gig. He's the national tech director for the NMRA series, so um, that's a pretty cool thing. And you know, I, I worked with him at Racepack for years, and he actually gave me my chance at Racepack, which was really cool. We become good friends over the years, and you know, he's ran precision turbo he's ran race pack like the guy's pretty well connected and now he works a lot with uh nmra and uh and the duck x production stuff so let, let's let me dial him up here and let's let's see what he thinks about all this shit too well i mean it is thursday and they were they were down there in valdosta where the only two things to do are either he's probably drink, still eat waffle house or freaking uh you know radio race i guess yeah, this radial tires you speak of. Let's see here. Does that radial means round, right? Yeah. Ra- radius, radial. Unless uh, it's flat on the bottom, but you have the whole rest of the tire to go. So it's not like You go. just put air in it. And didn't they teach you that out there on the West Coast? Just put air in it. It won't be flat anymore. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, guys? What up, RC? Chilling out in the northwest Indiana, trying to stay yeah. warm. Where are you at now? You used to be a California boy, and now you left me and left me here to the sharks in California, and you're living life of luxury, as I can see in the background in your fucking huge shop. <laughs> yeah. I well, if you, you weren't paying, if you weren't paying all those taxes, you could afford a shop like this. <laughs> I could. Well, I could probably afford some sort of house instead of having to rent a shack. There you go. <laughs> I, 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 hey Roger, I told Cam if if he was smart, he really wanted to make some money. He would figure out how to uh, take out uh, payday loans on groceries out there in California. People would be lined up. Hell yeah, I'm gonna start subleasing my, underneath my stairs. We have a little closet. I'm gonna try to there see if I can rent that sucker out. Yeah, or maybe you could just sell you could just sell bags at the grocery store for people that want to put their groceries in bags, so they don't got to pay for them at the damn checkout register. That's true because uh, there is a Trader Joe's across the street, and uh, that's that's a good racket. <laughs> you use the right word, racket. You use the right word, racket. Either that, or you could uh, you could sell uh, plastic straws to people too. <laughs> Another mm, <yeah>. racket. <laughs> no. Whatever it takes. All the tree huggers. Oh God. Yeah. Here we go. No, well, all our stats are going down now in the, on the West yeah. Coast. He, he used the phrase tree huggers. That's it. We're done. There, our stats are going down. I I'm wanted to call sure. and see what the heck was going on, first of all, because I haven't talked to you in a while. But for two, since you're like Mr. Duck X promotion slash every time I read an article, Roger Conley is like the new director of something. So we wanted your opinion on a few things. So. I wanted to make sure your number was still the same, so I had to call you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm kind of, kind of got my fingers in all kind of stuff these days. Yeah. Well, for the people that don't directions. know, for the people that don't know, give them a little rundown, right quick. I mean, what? Uh, Roger Conley. Current status is uh, national technical director for NMRA and NMCA. So I'll be at all 10 races this year, you know, rounding that crew up. Um, then I also work for Donald Long at Duck X Productions, a multitude of tasks over there for his three races a year. I did see um, you delivering pizzas on the starting line at uh, on the live feed. 
yeah. They even said yeah, it. Rogers got pizza. I'm like, damn, yeah. man, this guy's jack of all trades. Leave it to Brian. Brian Loans, he's always there to make sure I get, get a <laughs> shout out when I'm performing, you know, public services. But uh, that was a good time. It was. It's a long week because when I go down there, I'm down there for 12 days. So it's like with travel time and everything, it's a, it's, it's duck week. You know, it's like Discovery Shark Week. I tell them we need to get our own hashtag and our own show for Discovery and be Duck Week. Yeah, that's wear a good hats time. Like him? Uh, no, no, I don't have to wear a hat. That's part of the uniform. <laughs> but uh, no, doing the NMRA and MCA stuff, uh, working on, like I said, stuff with him. Also working with Ben Strader at EFI University. We're putting on some engine tuning workshops. I got one coming to, uh, well, to uh, the area, and we're going all over the country with him this year. And then I'm also working with West Bucket Drag Illustrated. I'm going to help him out with uh, World Series of Pro Mod as well. So kind of all over the place. That's cool. That's cool. I think Roger just um, got his own new uh, line there for his resume for future uh, drag racing freelancer and in duties and responsibilities, willing to do anything. Pretty much. Pretty much. Well, hey, jump yeah, on. No, but that's really cool. That's why I wanted to bring him on because, like, that just goes to show you, like, we talk about a lot of business on this show and and Roger's a prime example of, you know, yeah, he's ran huge companies like Precision Turbo. He forgot to say that, you know, he was the head of Precision Turbo for some years before race or after race pack. And, you know, he went from that, but now he wants to do his own thing. Like, and he wants to dabble in a lot of the things that he likes to do. Like, that's freaking rad. Like, just goes to show you kid goes to show you out there, kids, you can do anything you switch mind to. No, I, I agree with that. You know, I'm also doing some consulting work for, like Joe at Hyperactive, and uh, I've been talking to Mark Mark Mincer at uh, Mark Mincer Motorsports. He does all the drag radio shock stuff, and a couple guys because then they want to take the experience I have with running these large companies and say, "Hey, can you help me with my small family-owned business? I can't afford to pay you full time and have you as on staff, but if I can carve out a little segment here and there, and it's there's a there's a huge huge demand for that in our industry. You still have a lot of people with small family-owned businesses." in this drag racing and performance aftermarket that are, let's say 10 employees or less. And they want to grow these companies and, and they're trying and they're struggling, but there's just no roadmap. There's no instruction manual. So, you know, when I'm out there talking to people like, Hey man, you know, how much would it cost me if I just, you know, what if you put in 10, 15, 20 hours a week and help me, you know, get this thing, grow it and get it organized and structured. And so I've gotten at least a dozen phone calls about stuff like that too. Can't believe there are no jobs in this whole town unless you want to work 40 hours a week. (laughs) (laughs) right no jobs my friend no jobs none well hey roger you're absolutely right and and doing the uh having the ability or the experience the background to be able to talk to people let's call them let's call them small level not mid-level but let's you know talking to small level businesses like you're saying 10 employees or less and helping them understand organizational structure and and some of the business aspects that that you really unless you went to a school or spent some significant time in something that you weren't personally invested in you know i.e a a precision turbo or race pack where you can kind of pull from a bunch of years of mentorship and ideas you can take that and walk away and, and actually impact and help people be more successful than where they they've gotten on their own where they need someone else to come in and and help them out absolutely and it goes it's a vast you know i held 
at, you know, racetrack's a great example. I was there, you know, 15 years and I held just about every position in the building throughout my career there. I started off soldering chips on boards uh, and went from anywhere from being a production manager to a, you know, tech support guy to a, to a production manager to general manager and VP of sales and marketing. So I held virtually every role in the building uh, that you could. And, uh, you know, that diversity gave me a lot of experience and it's the age old, you know, the age old line of, you know, the more you learn, the less, you know, it, it applies to me. I can tell you that. I mean, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but the further I go down this road, they look back and go, man, I thought I was really smart when I was like 25. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't know. Are you going to show us how smart you are? Cause you went down there and gotten involved with this guy they call, called duck and uh, you know me being i'm a full-fledged drag racing fan okay yeah i'm a fan because i think it's way cool that there are people out there that are still chasing their passions and trying to make a living or spending the money that they make to do this great sport that we compete in called drag racing and it doesn't matter if it's nhra or street outlaws or drag radio or nostalgia pro stock whatever i mean i don't care it doesn't matter i'm i'm a fan of drag racing i think it's cool and now you've went over there and jumped in the boat with this guy who you know being a marketing guy i'm like man i get these notifications that he goes live on facebook and i'm like jesus christ what in the world is he going to say now and and he is just I mean, he's at times I'm going, dude, you're out of control. Somebody, you know, get this guy some medication. But then you sit back and you go, man, he's got a method to his madness. So, so tell us, tell us about what drew you over there to work for this guy. Well, honestly, I've been real good friends with Donald for a long time. Um, And uh, when, with my departure from Precision Turbo, freed up some of my time. and so that he, he reached out to me and, you know, he needed some more help with, you know, this thing's grown into a monster over there and, um, you know, just our relationship and having someone that he can trust with integrity to help him keep that thing on the rails, uh, during the actual race, um, that, that he doesn't have to micromanage, I'll say, uh, or tell anything. Cause I, cause, and it isn't about good or bad people it's about knowledge right it's like i understand all the classes i understand the people the racers the vendors how it all works you know and and there's it's hard to find a well-rounded guy like that who can come down there for 12 days and just hang out right and uh and uh you know he takes care of me don't get me wrong but just having that the capacity to do that there's not a lot of come with a crown apple bottle in your hotel room every night of the 12 days or anything i want it's you know it's like i got my own green room and whatever i got green m&ms in one bowl he, he takes care of me with whatever i need so that's one thing about uh about duck he's he's he takes care of his people and uh there's there's no doubt and he wants to make sure and he's passionate and he's uh you know i tell people you know i've i've helped him acquire some more sponsors this year brought some new people on board and and I had frankly I've had some sponsors at a corporate level they they just don't want nothing to do they don't want to touch it they just said no I can't do it and they've sent me screenshots of things he's posted and this is the reason and and I said hey you know I go he's the Howard Stern of of drag racing and uh, he gets results I'm telling you a year ago for lights out the live feed numbers we reached over 126 countries with the live feed and had over three million minutes viewed 
how do you argue those numbers? You can argue the way he does things and his attitude and calling people out and talking smack and everything he does. But guess what? The results, the proof's in the pudding, as they say, right? The results are there, man. Well, you know, Roger, and, and you cannot take that away from the man. And I will tell you this, you know, it, it was alluded to a couple different times, and I've heard it numerous times, but recently in like the last 10 days since Duck Week, that the, <laughs> the, the, the characteristics or traits that, that are over there in the radio world, the way Duck acts, right, and the way he communicates in his persona, right? And that's what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it a persona because I don't know that I can envision being in the room with Duck while he's talking to his wife at dinner and he's acting the way he does on Facebook, right? So I'm going to say it's his persona. I'm going to call him the Don King and say that it's truly his persona. That's how those people are. That's that racer demographic. That's what they respond to. They like that. They like that type of hype attacking communication they like the verbiage they like the interaction of it that's what gets them excited is the way that duck is would you agree or disagree i absolutely agree i if you if you've if you've attended this race you know and been to i've been to almost all of them the the people i mean the people that show up there you'll see him you know keith haney for example if Keith Haney can and absolutely, he will be at every single one there is if he can, if, if he doesn't have a schedule conflict. His apparel trailer is there. His, all his stuff is there. All his people are there. And, and, he's, and he loves it. And he's out there shaking hands and laughing and going back and forth. And you see Donald cutting him up constantly. And, uh, and he takes it like a champ and, and goes right along with it and sees the value in it, for, for you know, lack of a better term. But the people, it, it, it's, a, it's almost a cult at this point. These people take – there's a lot of blue-collar people who race there. This isn't pro-level stuff. This isn't people – there are some people there that own their own businesses and they're very well off. But there's a lot of people there that are still blue-collar style workers. They're saving up all their money. They get two weeks vacation a year. One week I go to Georgia in February. The other week I go to Georgia in October. And they, and I, mean, I, I talk to these people. That's their vacation. You you just hit on a really good point, and you know I know we're talking about enough is enough. That's one thing that I will give Duck with his you know business model or whatever. It's a couple races a year, right? So you that's right. a prime example. You make a spectacle out of two weeks a year instead of twenty four, right? Because once right. if it's if he did if he did ten duck races, you know I'm yeah I'm sure people would go, but it the, the, <coughs> the spectacle and the shit talking and the you know the oh. F you this guy or F you that guy, Keith Haney, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like if you saw that every single day on Facebook, everybody would just be like, oh, fuck this guy. Like, you know, right. like I agree. So if it's two weeks a year, like it's it hypes it up. It, it gives somebody to a reason to go on Facebook or give somebody a reason to go on Competition Plus and like read some article about him going crazy or whatever. Like that is smart when it comes to I mean, yeah, it's less races to race, but. I think we're all kind of on the in agreement that there's a lot of racing that can be done. You can race every single weekend if you want, but if you want to pick and choose the ones you want to do, like it, it's a smart move. Well, it's a big payday, which is a huge attraction, and it gives people time to get their stuff ready and and prep it and come there with their ducks in a row, is <laughs> no pun intended. But but if the but you want to hear something interesting about it is you know we added last year the Sweet 16 race coming up. It's coming up next month. And it was 101,000 to win radio versus the world. He added that. Now that race is only a month later. So 
you you have these guys show up last week w- racing for 50k and they're like well i don't want i don't want to make sure i wreck my car and i want to make sure i'm not really doing any major carnage because i want to come back and race for the 101k next month but then they're out there setting records and killing it and so it's just like one of the they're just losing their minds they're just like they don't know what to do it's it, it's amazing and it's it reinvigorates you know heads up drag racing i'll say the people the spectators the the racers the people online the and and it's just it's a it's an amazing spectacle if you will like you said um and now he's added x275 for another 50 so now it's $151,000 in payout coming next month um and and he's limiting you know the amount of 500 spectators in and you know it's you got to pay up front to get in and it's it's a limited deal so that everyone gets the most amount that they can um to try and make the money you know no that's cool it you know but like i said like he's he's not going out and doing a whole series or whatever and i and i and i think that's cool and you know he's still keeping it on the on the ground level um when you were talking about spectators and stuff i i got to say this before i forget because <laughs> when i was watching the live feed i was cracking up because it's your typical, like you said, blue collar people. There's like nine million people standing on the starting line because we talked about yeah. that when we had Joe on, you know, that whole that whole situation. And I was dying laughing when Duck got on the the PA and he's like, "Get the fuck off the starting line if you're not da 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 da." Like, and he's going crazy. I don't give a shit who you are, and I'm laughing because the sea of people, you know, everybody the same. The demographic is the same: black racing T-shirt, black right. racing dickies. Black socks, black shoes. So like, and then there's like three guys with the white T-shirt on, and they're the new guys that just showed up and they didn't realize that there's like a there's like an un, unwritten uniform that you have to wear, all black everything. Right. So then they're like, look at that nerd, and then he gets he gets picked out of the crowd and gets made fun of and like all that. Like, but I'm sure at the throwing off the starting the line, <laughs> just dragging like like he's just. A cartoon character, but I, I'll, I'll tell you, I bet if he goes to that Sweet Sixteen race, those dudes will be wearing a black T-shirt, black dickies, exactly. and black socks. Well, you know, and we make a huge effort to try not to have that happen. As a matter of fact, at this race, we uh, had about fourteen different color armbands printed and made a legend for them for the security guys, so that by class and said, "Look, when they come up, hung them on the walls." If they don't have this color, we even made special ones for the tuners. Okay, the tuners can come up here anytime, but the rest of these guys, if they got a yellow wristband on and they're with X and Radio Versa World Run, tell them get the hell out of here. So, you know, there's efforts being made, but I mean, it's it's such a mob scene that without hiring a hundred security guards, big and you got to have big guys, you know how it, you know how drag racers are. I, you know, it's it's a rough it deal, might, but it uh, must be a thing because, as, as you're saying, describing that, I'm reading my email, NHRA. I just got an email from NHRA. It's with a whole uh, key and boxed, colored, and everything, telling me um, where you can and can't stand on the starting line this weekend. It's wow. their new their new push this year, and they have a full on <laughs> picture and everything, color wow. coordinated about where you can and can't stand um, and you have to have special passes, which I get. It's probably an insurance thing. Somebody got mowed over and tried to sue or whatever. Like, I get it. But it's just funny. It's like, um, and even at Pomona, uh, I had a, 
a sponsor's son with us, and I gave him, which I was told, you give him the starting line credential, hard placard thing or whatever, and they tried to rip him off the starting line. And yes, I know it's the first deal or whatever, but he, like, he's like, I have the, the right credential the or right whatever. Stuff. Yeah, and right. they're still like, nope. And he's like, I'm like, man, I'm just trying to get some sponsors here. Like, you guys aren't really helping me out. <laughs> but, but I, at the end of the day, I do get it. Like, it's what the, all it's going to take is one person to get mowed over by a car, and it'll all be over. You know. Yeah. But what what do you think, Roger? Like, what what's enough? At, I mean, in regards to racing, I mean, it doesn't have to be ducks race or whatever. But what what is too much for you? Like, you're well, in the I industry, think- you make your living at it, right? So, or we all do. So, what is enough for you? Well, I think you have different levels for different groups, right? So your pro level groups are NHRA and, you know, I, I communicate with some of those people still, obviously. And, you know, I agree with, with kind of the 16 to 18 thing I think is, is kind of the right amount. And, uh, you know, these guys, you're, you're, there's so many, not to speak negatively, but there's so many negative things about running 24 races. I mean, they're burning through crew guys they're just trying to find guys. They're hiring guys out of Samtech. Hey man, you want to live the race car lifestyle? They're hyping it up. They're they're not the guys like like me or you that were wrenching on stuff and building our cars. And I had you know Camaro I got in high school and I'm wrenching. I'm just love to be around race cars. So these guys just have the technical ability, know how to torque a head bolt, and it's like you're hired. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, just, that's just one example, right? And you know, it's but it's so it's true. Like, it's you know, it's just over, there's just too much. And, you know, take, for example, I'll, you know, pimp myself here a little bit, the NMC and MRI stuff. I was actually on the phone with a guy this morning, um, who, who's going to race a class and he's been, he's been setting himself up again, blue collar guy works, works as much overtime as he can does side jobs. He's got a sick mom in Florida. He's taking care of her medical bills, all this stuff, but he's been refining his combination and he, he's had this goal that he wanted to race every NMCA race for a whole season and go for the points. And 2019 is finally the year that he's going to try and do it. And But he's been preparing for this for over two years. He's been, you know, saving money, refining his combination, doing, you know, he's had a plan. He's very organized and structured, and he's had this plan. Now, if if NMCA was 20 races, there's there's just no way. He couldn't get enough time off work. He couldn't save up enough money. You know, he wouldn't be able to just support the carnage and the parts, you know, from from just keeping the thing going, keeping the wheels on it, you know, our well, tires and fuel. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, it's, you know, it's digress a whole different way, right? Let's talk about Drag Week because real quick, because like I'm a huge fan of Drag Week. Never been on it because I couldn't. I couldn't take a whole week off of any job I've had for the last seven years and just check out and go to Drag Week. I just it wasn't in the cards for the roles I had. And I'll probably be at Drag Week this year because I'm my own boss now and I can do whatever the heck I want. Fuck them guys. Be your own boss. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when you when you put you know I have a Drag Week style car. And all the time I get, are you going to go do drag week? You going to drag week, man, you start putting numbers on paper. And like you say, hotel rooms, fuel, all that stuff adds up. You got to have someone to help you paying for their meals, paying for their hotel rooms, paying for their fuel. Next thing you know, man, you go do drag week, you know, and you win, if you win, you win a trophy. So there's, there's not that we do this to make money. There's no making money on this thing. But at the end of the day, I mean, you go spend 
three, four, five, six thousand dollars real fast, real easy. Yeah, you times know, that by twenty four or whatever. You know, right? The the purses don't go up, but the travel expenses and the gas and the diesel fuel and the hotel bills they all go up, and it's like that's that's where a lot of the cost is incurred, like getting your teams and crews and flights and all that crap that it takes to do this traveling circus. Like it's ridiculous. You know, I ran a nitrous radial car back years ago in uh, the PSC on the West coast in extreme street. And uh, just out of, I don't even know why I did it just for kicks. I went ahead and, and wrote down all my expenses and did some math and figured out based off of what I had ran over three events and just kind of averaged everything. Cause one was in Vegas, one was in Fontana, one was in Arizona and, you know, it was costing me somewhere between four hundred and fifty and five hundred dollars a pass to maintain, and that's just three races, just to maintain without blowing anything up. Nothing, I'm just talking about nitrous tires, fuel, hotel rooms. You know, getting to and from the track, tickets to get in, all that stuff. So, hey, every ticket's just a pit pass. Just remember that. Yeah, you don't have to buy those. <laughs> well, you know, and that's just a different demographic, right? It is. And Roger, you you know, you being in the manufactured on the backside, that is one thing that I've always said is a contributing factor to decrease car counts at certain events during certain periods of the year, because manufacturers in today's age do not just have every part sitting on the shelf when you need it. There's a you know manufacturing process, a production process that's going on. They're keeping their capital, their financial assets in the bank. They're not going to have them sitting on the shelves hoping that they make a turn or they turn three times in a week or ten times in a month, whatever the case is. And you know you're making pistons, you're making data loggers, you're making turbos. These guys are going out here, they're tearing stuff up. They're calling you on Monday, and the manufacturer's going, "Okay, yep, you're uh, four weeks out." And you're like, well, I got three more races. You're four weeks out. You know, I, I I take the manufacturer side of it on the economics that it does make the costs go up because these teams make runs and they, you know, I don't know. How, I mean, it's funny. You hear Stevie say he's got, you know, 10 blocks sitting on the shop floor and he's got 20 cranks and 40 cases of pistons and, and 50 cases of rods. But you kind of have to have some inventory to be able to do this stuff. And I think the drag radio guys are the same way because they tear up enough stuff that they, they've got to have some inventory. It can be costly. Absolutely. They, the, you know, all of the companies I've been associated with and worked for and even tight with friends and stuff like that, the, the landscape has changed dramatically in the last 10 years where most of the manufacturers, especially major manufacturers, they held a pretty significant amount of stock um, and then when we went through somewhat of a decline there, you know, years back, they've pulled back, you know, they, they, the value of having stuff sitting on the shelf, you know, they'd rather, you know, say, we'll just make it and build the order more or less and not have it there. And so since everyone's done it, you know, they've now trained the racer that, man, if you need something. So now the racer's inventorying the stuff. Now, if yep. you're a successful racer, you got to have a lot of spare parts, bottom line. That's what it takes to be a successful racer in today's landscape. And again, back to enough is enough. If you're going to race 24 races, you got to have a lot of spare shit. If you're only going to race three races, if you said, I'm just going to race ducks, three races, you don't need as much spare shit. I got one spare complete engine. I got another set of pistons. I got some bearings, you know, converter, a couple parts. But if you're going to go around 24, it's like, God damn, how many engines you need? Uh, a lot. 
<laughs> exactly. I can attest to that. Yeah, exactly. All right. So here, Roger, let's let's get on this soapbox. And that's I'm pushing myself up in my chair. I'm getting I'm getting my shoulders all rubbed back like I'm getting a massage here. I'm getting all hot and bothered. Uh man, these comments about radio versus the world, the that that class, that montage, that miss you know, prestige, that title is where where are we going in three years? You know, that's a great question that I wouldn't have told you where, where we're at three years ago to where we are today. Just just think about this. Um, a pro mod car on radials rolls out there with a pro charger. And uh, it runs a 919 60-foot time on a radial tire. It's just like, what the heck's going on here? What's even crazier is it runs a 919 60-foot to go... 361 in the eighth and then a turbocharged car with a stock body you know runs a 940 or 50 or 60 60 foot and runs 362 with a turbocharger um two turbochargers so relatively same engine you know hemispherical you know headed you know brad style or aj style motor but totally different car totally different body totally different wheelbase totally different power adder and your all your splits are different, but then at the end of the day, it just it's 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 kind of like pro stock, right? But way different because pro stocks they they sound the same, they look the same, all that stuff. You come out here for this, and you got one car's got you know a supercharger, one guy's got a turbocharger, one guy's got a roots, one guy's got a screw. You got this huge diversity, and even the nitrous guys, you know, and these and the nitrous guys can keep up. I, I don't know what they're doing if they're all sandbagging and trying to get you know weight taken off or what, but the rules are are you know, set up in a way that mirror some of the other sanctioning bodies with big tires and stuff like that. And, and they got a competitive amount of horsepower. Um, they just got to apply it, but you got to remember when it comes to rules, that the rules are made. Sometimes different combinations are favored based off weather conditions, right? So when you do multiple races, we know that you get weather conditions you go, Oh, well, the, the blower cars are really going to kick butt this weekend. Cause the weather conditions favor that combination. And, so th- there's a lot of stuff in the background that people don't realize and the haters get on there and start and start typing stuff up. But I'll tell you, radial versus the world has become it, it's it's I would call it legitimized pretty much to the max in today's world. People know what's going on. You know, they're talking about it. They're hearing about it. And uh, you don't have to have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar promo to come win radial versus the world. That's what's cool about it. The tire is the great equalizer. Now, one thing I will add for people that don't, a little bit of behind the scenes thing, you know, Donald wants to be absolutely sure that every racer gets an equal attempt at the racetrack. So what I mean by that is every eight pairs of car that run in Radio versus the World, they redrag, rotate, and spray and let the spray set up, the glue set up. So every eight pairs, just to give everyone the same track. So it doesn't matter if you get up there first or if you get up there last. You know, when you got 62 cars in radial versus the world, which the car counts were just staggering. You know, when we raced 32 car fields over there. So that just that just puts things into perspective. And uh, and you can do that when you're only doing, you know, two, three events a year. You know, and the people can afford to, to go home and lick their wounds and get their parts and paste their stuff back together. And I'll be back in October and looking forward to it. 
The one thing I do know is uh, where is it going in three years? The amount of uh, Facebook bans on people is going to increase. Yeah, I'll give sure. you that. I'll give you that. For sure. <laughs> well, okay. Sure. So, but in, how much is how much is enough when enough when it comes to shit talking? Exactly. That's what I want to know. Like, I'm all for a good shit talk, but we've even had podcasts and talk about this. Like, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. Like, we always talk about that. But like, I mean, I know that's part of this so, era of drag racing. What do you feel is too much? I I think there's a line right down the middle. I think you have the group that talks shit, and I think you have the group that are got their suit and tie on, and they're kind of uptight, and they're persnickety, and they're like, oh, I can't deal with any of that. You know, all of, you know, like Ducks races, everyone talks shit. It don't matter where you're at. I mean, you hang out in the tower, everyone's up there talking shit. You get on the starting line, they're talking shit. The staging are talking shit. The pits are talking shit. That's, it's just a talk shit fest. That's that group, you know, and it's, it's, that's just the mentality of, you know, it's the same as the street outlaw stuff, right? Like those guys talking shit. A lot of that shit those guys talk is real world stuff. You know, that's not some of it's on there for the camera, but some of it's real. Some of it's like, you know, they're they're out there to beat that other guy and the guy's never beat him or whatever the thing is, or they got a vendetta or you know, whatever it is, but that's kind of that group. The corporate group that gets uptight, you know, that don't talk shit, and you know, it's a whole different world over there. But how do you my thing is I ask the question like this way, right? If you're truly that devoted and passionate about what you do in one way or another, you're going to talk shit. Maybe not by just blatantly calling someone out and heckling them and calling them names and telling them, you know, they, they suck. But in one way or another, cause drag racing is an ego driven sport, right? I've always said drag racing is ego driven. In heads-up drag racing, when two guys go across the finish line and one guy's in front of the other and the race in a heads-up class with rules, the guy who just lost, he doesn't look over to the guy that just won and say, man, that guy's just smarter than I am. That just never happens. He's What's going through his mind is, oh, man, it didn't make the one-two shift right and it spun the tire and or that guy's cheating or, you know, like, like there's a million excuses that go through your head. You know, and I'm that guy. I am that guy. And it's just like, but it wasn't because I, I just thought, wow, that guy's just smarter than I am. It just doesn't go down that way. Well, the competitive, you know, oh man, we got to do another podcast. My wife and I oh, argue about, yeah. Anytime, we, anytime Don says, oh man, here it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like doing this with his hands. He's on his soapbox. God, yeah. Hey. He's on his soapbox. Here comes Roger. Don I, uh, no. I, I did not wake up today to lose. I did not wake up. I didn't look in the mirror. I didn't brush my teeth. I didn't go to the bathroom. I didn't get dressed to come out here and lose. And and we and you lose way more than you ever win in this humbling sport of drag racing. But that does not take away the fact that you can be competitive. And yeah, damn it, there's times you bite your tongue and you really just want to tell that guy, you know what, dude, go kick rocks. You couldn't carry my freaking gym bag. But then you get the freaking angel on your shoulder and the wife's going, hey, those kids are looking at you and watch what you say. And 
you know, that 30 seconds as soon as you get out of the car and you want to chuck that beautiful Simpson helmet across the freaking shutdown area. I, I mean, damn it, Roger. It's a competitive sport. If you're not out here to win, the hell are you doing out here? But if you take an L, you can bounce back. <laughs> what the F was that? <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm, on this, I'm on this hip-hop kick on Spotify. <laughs> And I it's, laugh at these songs, but anyway, go ahead. But our, but when you look at the 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 grand scheme or the grand scheme, if you look at the the whole picture, I'll say, and all the people across it are, I think the level of I keep going back to the level of passion changes. The you know some guys are are that passionate, like you said, they pull in the track and it's like I came here to win. I know I can win. I wouldn't even come here if I couldn't win. If I didn't at least have a shot, but then you have, you do have the guys that show up who just show up to race. And it's like, man, if I qualify, I'm going to be happy. You know, I, I talk to those guys all the time, you know, it's just part of the package and it's, they're just happy to be there going down the racetrack, having fun. Those their are the passion. Is that they just, in, they just they enjoy the, the journey. And there's nothing wrong with that. But they're, but they're part of it, but their passion is just a little less, right? It's like, you know, we, we were at, we were at lunch yesterday and we're talking to the server and it's me and, and two of my buddies that actually cam knows it was Eric Brock and Augustine her. Oh, and we're, we're sitting there having lunch and, and, uh, we got our shirts on and all that stuff. And, and the, and the girl's like, so what are you guys into? You know, you're like talking all this stuff over here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, hey, we're in a drag racing. Oh, they were all wearing race. black. They, they, she thought. Yeah. They were well, we were black. Mob. Oh, abs- absolutely. <laughs> like, like, what are these guys, right? <laughs> so you know, we start talking to her a little bit, and she's like, "Well, I've heard of like NASCAR. No clue, right?" She's like, "Well, I watch baseball. What other sports do you guys like?" And we both look at each. Well, all three of us looked at. We don't like any other sports. It's drag racing or nothing. And she's like, "Really? Not even hockey? Nope. We're drag racers." So then you start talking to her, and you show her a couple of videos. And the next thing you know, she's like, "Oh my god, that is." awesome like what where do you go to do that who is there stuff like that around here like totally naive right like has no clue and mind you this is indiana the racing capital of america right (laughs) exactly but it just goes to show that you know you know we poke fun and we just you know i threw out the line yeah we really don't pay attention to any sport that only requires one ball you know you can have baseball and football and (laughs) that's what our sport requires too (laughs) And, uh, so, but it's, it's just, I think the, the bottom line is passions, what fuels all this stuff and everyone has a different level. You know, it's like, I, I've known Cam for a long time and I seen him and he, I call him a kid and he was just a kid when he came on board and, and he's fueled by, by raw passion. I mean, he just like the, I swear to God, the first day I met him, it's like, I just want to get a top fuel car, top fuel dragster and, and race that thing. I mean, like, it's like. That's what he lives life for. How many years ago? How many years ago is that? Because I think that's what he said last night while we were on the phone. It was (laughs) eleven. And my job interview was at Hooters. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, coolest thing ever. He's like, this guy meets me at Hooters to give me a job interview. Like, I like to be in a relaxed environment and set the tone properly. I like to set the expectation. But well, it's hard to be able to trust anybody that won't eat a good chicken wing. Just saying. (laughs) <laughs> but it isn't about that i mean I, I that's a great great point not to get off subject but 
when you want to have a job interview with somebody, you really want them to be relaxed. You want to know who this person is. You don't, you don't need to bring them into a conference room and make them wear a suit and tie. And and that's just my belief. I mean, everyone has their own opinions, but I want to get to the core of the person that I'm sitting there talking to. And I want to know what kind of guy this is going to be. That's going to be representing my company and, and, you know, flying the flag and out there trying to, you know, do whatever it is I'm hiring them for. And so, you know, this shouldn't be about putting an act on. It's like, I want to know genuinely who this guy is. Well, I mean, you tell the guy, meet you at Hooters. And he's a drag racer. You know you're going to get a pretty relaxed guy. He's going to be kind of like, well, damn, the guy wants to meet me. He must, must not be a bad guy. In Anaheim? Yeah, I know. I know the place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big place but, on Alpine um, Drive. But the, back to the topic. Um, you know, it's it's rampant everywhere, right? It's even locally, like. US 41 is my local track and they're an IHRA track. So, and they have like, I think it's eight bracket races a year. Well, why don't they have 20? Well, because eight is about as many as they're going to get, whether it's weather permitting and people with their, because these people are family people, right? It's like, well, I can't go this weekend because we take the family and the kids and we go to the lake and do this. And so, you know, there is all of this. I agree with you guys a hundred percent. There is the line, but I think, I think you have, maybe three to five levels of different people that fall into categories for enough is enough. But I do think the people that go to 24 national events a year and race that, I mean, they're, you know, they, that's their career, right? That's what they make their living doing, whether they have a huge company that affords them to get paid or they're out there chasing sponsors. So they got money to go to all these or, or whatever it is. But you know, the guy, a guy like me, you know, I'm never, I, I don't foresee me ever being able to afford to go to 24 national events a year and travel around the country and race. So I don't even try. I don't even like, that's not even on my bucket list. I go, well, that's, that's beyond the realm. Unless I win the lottery or something crazy happens, I'm not going to get there. Well, it's like even me, like, yeah, I'm, I'm striving and trying to do that. But as a guy, a young 30 something guy, I mean, that is your life has to be given to that. Like, you know, I have a family now, like I have a kid, a wife, like there's other things. I mean, not that I'm losing any luster of what I my ultimate dreams in life to raise professionally, but like the fact that that's a long time to be like, people think, Oh, it's just 24 weekends. Well, 24 out of 52. And then when you leave on Wednesday, add up all the extra travel days and all the other shit. And then when my flights get canceled or delayed, they add up tack on another two days. So, I mean, you're talking, that's a long amount of, you know, oh, yeah. time. And then be a crew guy. Those poor guys, I mean, they're so uh, burnt out half the time, like driving the rigs. Like, there's, I was talking to somebody the other day, like being a crew guy, like hardcore, like being a clutch guy on uh, one of the top teams, like, Right. That is what they do. Like they and they go to the shop, they race, they drive straight to the shop all night, get to the shop, unload that car, and they work on that sucker Monday morning until freaking eleven o'clock at night. And then they go home and it's like whew, you know. And and yeah, we all love it. We cause we stay till eleven o'clock because we all care about and want to do it, but they also want to have dinner with their kids and their families too, you know? Like it's it so I think if you if you on the pro side, if you drop it down a little bit, there will be a little bit more way to bring it, I guess, 
not family oriented, but like allow people to to live their life other than just twenty four seven racing, which yes, we all love racing and that's what we want to do, but it's just it, it's not feasible anymore. This isn't no. nineteen seventy four. But the things, the dynamics changed. Just, I mean, you make some great points. Like, so NHRA limited the amount of time between rounds, what, eight years ago, something like that, because of TV and all other stuff. So before, because, you know, back when I used to work for Force, they used to completely service a clutch between rounds. They used to, they'd service a blower. They'd restrip a blower between rounds to run the same blower again. They would service the heads. They'd run the same heads. They'd pull them off. And, and run a couple of valves, do a valve jump, change some springs, put those heads back on there. And because they've shortened all that up for TV, the turnaround time, now they got to just have parts in the trailer. They just bolt parts on. They bolt heads on or blocks or engines or clutches. And then between races, they got to go back to the shop and now service those nine clutches that they just swapped out every round or cylinder heads or whatever the case, blowers, all that stuff. So, I mean, just mm-hmm. again, how the dynamics have changed. No, it, it definitely has. And, and, you know, going to that for the dynamics, I mean, I had a guy tell me he took a, he took a job with a team for less money, right? They're where he was at because he had zero days that he had to drive the truck over the road. He was at that point a flying guy, fly in and fly back out. He said the number of days that he was going to be at home versus what he would have been on the road economically just didn't match. It was just not for him. He and he took a job so that he could be fly into the race, work the race, fly out done no deal made a huge deal for that it made a huge impact you could hear it in his voice when he was talking about it It made it you know he was excited um from that standpoint but i also know that that going back into the cost fact i remember when roger penske talked about them buying airplanes for penske for the motorsports and how much money they saved on hotels f- and increased family morale because the crew guys would actually the majority of them would fly out Friday morning or fly back home Sunday night. They're home with their family, you know. So you start thinking about, you know, the the well, how much is enough, and, and it just all goes through. And that's a good point, Roger, bringing up the amount of time uh, in between. You, you know, you don't have time for that. So there goes your increased cost. Now we've got to have this. We've got everything that's associated uh, with building more heads or having more clutches or having more blowers. All that stuff just multiplies itself. Yeah. I mean, it's, and again, that's the behind the scenes stuff that most guys don't know, don't understand, haven't seen. And uh, <clears throat> no, I agree. I mean, I know guys that left drag racing to go work on cup teams and be a fly in guy. And just for the same reason you just said, I mean, I know two guys personally well that left drag racing back in the early 2000s and went and they're still over there in NASCAR and they love it. They fly in and out and they don't drive any rigs. They don't do, and it's just, they get more quality time with their families, the whole nine, just, just exactly what you said. All right. So you, one question. Drink Will, of choice. Nah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you already let it out. And he said like crown in the hotel room. Crown Apple, Crown excuse Apple. me. Yeah. All right, Roger. Crown Apple. I mean, unless things have changed, I haven't had a cocktail with Roger in, in a hot minute, but you know. <laughs> uh, Roger, will we ever see 340s in a radio versus a world car in the next five years? Oh, fuck. Here we go. Here's, here's the, 
There's let the shit talking begin. I know we're gonna see fifties in, in thirty days. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not gonna fly out to Vegas and mortgage my house and place a bet on that. Uh, but I know that the fifties are out there just on the weather swing that's gonna happen down there in that in that vicinity in the month of March. But in the meantime, Don's selling his nitrous car to. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so there you go. I don't, I don't know that you'll see forties. I think you're going to see high fifties by one, two, maybe three cars, uh, in March. Um, but the, the faster you go, you know, it's diminishing returns, right? The faster you go, the harder it is, the harder it becomes to accelerate that package. Um, you know, regardless of what you got. So it's, you know, yeah, that's a big jump. That's a big jump. I don't think so. I would say it'd be close. It might be five, six years, but that's a pretty big jump. I think I think you're going to see 50s. I, I agree with you there, but 40s and five years, I don't think so. I think this, I think kind of 50s is kind of the last big milestone in the next five years. Well, I mean, that, and that would go along with it being the fact that, Roger, what, five years ago, what radio versus the world was what 410 403 408 something like that and now here it yeah. is and now now we're talking you know we're eight tenths of a second we're we're talking about you know 350s um granted the the number for me as taking the fan perspective i would love to see a 32 car field between 358 and 371 and that my friend would be a badass field well, it's not out of the question. I can tell you that. We weren't that far away from that just a week ago. So, you know, it's it's the talent's there, the, the equipment's there. and Get that on know, a T-shirt. But I'll tell you. On a black I'll one. T- I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, so one thing that I, I'm a door slammer guy. I've been around ProMod and, and Outlaw style heads up racing my whole entire life and i followed it in streetcar stuff and and to stand there on the starting line for radio versus the world and watch al billis walk by and madman frankie taylor and and phil schuler and it's just like and and billy stockland and it's like these like they have personas bigger than you know there's radio tuners out there you got you know Joe Pulowski, you got Steve Petty, you got Patrick Barnhead, you got these guys that have been doing the radio stuff for years, but now you got these guys over here that have been tuning pro level stuff at NHRA, at PDRA, at ADRL, and all these other things for all these years. And you're just like, wow, you know, I mean, last year, you know, Scotty Cannon's out there helping Chris Daniels, and it's like, you just, you just, it, t- it takes you a step back for someone like me that's been around it my whole life. You just go, Man, I never thought I'd see Al Billis stand on the starting line behind a radio car. <laughs> All those individuals are definitely the ones that take, they look at that and they evaluate and say, okay, that's a challenge accepted. I'm in. Cause they don't want, you know, right. that, that, that's that whole learning curve of situational awareness that like, you know, like you were, we can tie, swing it all the way back around to say like duck, having duck, having you be part of his program is there's an, you know, a value to it. And that's how those guys look at it. They know, okay, this was a situation with the equipment that I was given to make perform and I'm not going to let it beat me. I'm going to beat it. 
Well, I mean, not to take away from it, but it kind of adds a little level of legitimacy to the class too, right? I mean, if guys of that level that race and other sanctioning bodies are are being paid to come out there and tune these cars, like this stuff's for real, you know? Yeah. No, that's that's uh, it'll be the day when Don puts some radials on his nitrous pro stalker. I can't top sportsman. <laughs> I can't. I, you know, look, I, I want to hear, I, I want to hear Roger and Rolly get in a room and I want you guys to come up with an LSX, uh, pro stock chassis styled Magnuson supercharger class for NMCA. I'm in, I'm in, I think, uh, I, I'd be all over that. That would be way cool. <laughs> Everybody wants a class that fits their car. I can show you 20 emails right now. Don, Don's like, I'm just going to put this right here towards the end of this podcast. <laughs> you do what you want with it. Hey, I, hey, I'm just, uh, I'm just over here looking to get, you know, I'm on my own island, if you will, uh, going forward, which I got to thank a lot of the radio versus the world stuff. Just that whole deal was a bunch of guys that got on their own island and it took off. They did something different. I'm not really doing that much different from that. I'm just doing something that's kind of unique that give everybody a chance to laugh at me and throw spitballs. But, uh, you know, once again, it's the challenge of it to accept and we're going to go with it. But uh, that being that, Roger, man, I know the podcast is long. People are going, holy cow, these guys won't shut up. Uh, thank you very much for coming on with me and Cam. Uh, Cam, you got one last question for him? Or are we going to hit that in button over there on his cell phone? When we go into Hooters. well next time i'm in california we'll have to uh make an arrangement there no you no, you just need to come over have some dinner angie well can we can do a barbecue you can you know hang out with the baby you know we can make it a more family thing if you want cam doesn't do hooters anymore he's got a kid (laughs) (laughs) we'll do hooters that's cool (laughs) remember that movie big daddy just saying (laughs) Hey, <laughs> here we go. Either guy here we go. Old balls. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a good time. And, uh, you know, if you ever, ever need any more, uh, advice, I wouldn't call it expert advice. If you ever need any more advice or help, uh, feel free to, uh, ring me up and get you hooked up. Oh, we will. Don't you worry. We need to have a podcast with you, Joe, me and Don, and then some things really oh. go down. Right, man. We, we need to get Tommy. I think we need I, to get Tommy. Oh boy, on there. Yeah. That's, that we, was can, a, we can add Tommy onto the list too. I took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly who I was gonna say. Get Tommy K yeah, on that, here, and it, it, it'll be good. That'd be an extended. That'd be an extended cut for sure, but it'd be good. <laughs> yeah. We have to put. We have to change our uh, iTunes listing on our podcast, and, and we've got that nice clean advisor label on there right now. We'd have to change that to explicit. Split it. Oh, yeah. It might have to be a two-part show, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate Thank it you. very much. Good luck out there in Phoenix. Thank and, you. Uh, if you guys need anything from me, you know, like I said, jack of all trades over here, RC2 Motorsports, whatever it takes to get the job done, man. Sweet. I'm glad my phone number still works. Good <laughs> to talk to you. All right, guys. See you, Roger. All right. See you. Later. Well, Cam, that is cool to to have him on there and him be part of the be part of the show. Uh, man, people are going to go, "Holy cow, it was long!" But nonetheless, when you get when you get somebody around that's got some expertise and got a couple decades under their belt, you uh, want to try to 
pull it out there and and show it off and share it with everyone else out there in the world no absolutely roger's a really cool dude he uh he was one of the main guys that gave me a chance in the industry and i'm very grateful to him and we've become really good friends over the years and uh it's uh, really cool to see what he's doing so but we uh as always want to thank voice america for letting us do this racepack.com and uh, dragstersforsale.com and uh our guest roger rc2 motorsports check him out if you need any consulting work hit him up so uh but uh other than that hit us up hate man racers and rental cars.com if you want to bitch and complain or something like that let us know oh i'm man. out you're out all right you're gone you're out to phoenix good luck to you my friend uh stay dry take a parka or something they said you guys should uh run low run low ets and some big mile hours out there with the with the weather front coming through so we'll be uh sitting back here watching you on nhra.tv for big cameron foray and his top fuel weekend cool later guy later Let's put it-